Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. The title of my message tonight is Watch Where You're Going. Look at your neighbor say, Watch Where You're Going. Yeah, how many parents have ever had to tell their kids that, Watch Where You're Going? How many wives have ever had to tell your husbands, Watch Where You're Going? Yeah. Uh, you got to watch where you're going, right? Why? Because you'll stumble, you'll run into stuff, uh, and even more dangerously, you'll get off track. Anybody ever gotten off track in life? And, uh, you know, maybe you made an adjustment early, maybe you made an adjustment late. Uh, I love what Pastor Chris says, if you don't know where you're going, you'll take every road, right? You'll take any road. I mean, it's amazing the steps, uh, you know, our lives are dictated by steps. We talked about that a little bit on Sunday, the choices, the decisions, uh, no matter how minimal or minuscule it might seem, uh, they are taking us on a track that, that God has for us. And so we're either heading in the direction he has for us or we're heading away from the direction. And even the smallest, you know, off trajectory, off course that we may get will eventually cause us to end up in a place where we don't want to be. And so we want to make sure that we are watching where we're going. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. Now faith, everyone say faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Seen. Now, right off the bat, you might be thinking, Pastor Mark, you've picked the wrong verse to tell me uh, where I'm going because you're telling me that faith is the evidence of what I cannot see. But I want to tell you today that it's, it's not what we see that determines where we end up, but it's how we see. I said it's not what we see that determines where we end up, but it's how we see. And you've heard us minister on, along these lines many times. You know, we talk about perspective. We talk about lenses. We talk about it's not what you see, but it's how you see it. It's about uh, uh, the, the, what is shaping, what are we allowing to dictate and direct our lives? And so he's telling us here, faith is the uh, evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. If you're hoping for something, that typically means you do not have it in your possession. It's not in actuality. It's not a reality in your life. You don't hope for things that you have. Amen. You're, you're not sitting in your home. I, I hope I have a vehicle when you have a vehicle sitting in your garage. That's not, so you, you typically hope for, believe for, ex, ex, extend your faith towards things that you have not yet seen or has not yet been made a reality in your life. And so when we're talking about watch where you're going, that means that we have to be careful what we're watching. We have to be careful what is in front of us. We're going to give examples here. But it also, I have to be careful how I see what's in front of me. I have to be careful what I'm watching, what I'm looking at. But I've also got to be careful in how I see what I'm in, how I process, how uh, I allow even the situations and the circumstances that I'm in, whether good or bad. Because I'll tell you right now, a good circumstance can be just as misleading 
as a bad circumstance. A good position, a, a good, if it doesn't align with where I'm putting my faith, if it doesn't align with God's word, it, it not even, God doesn't tell us be led by good situations. It's not what he said. He says to what? Be led by his spirit. Be led by his word. Be led ultimately by the unseen. Okay? And so we've got to be careful with this. It goes on to say in verse two, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Or one translation says a good report. They obtained a good report by what they could not see. That's just a good little uh, maybe an inward reflection for us. Am I obtaining a report based upon what I see? Or do I have a report based upon what I don't see? See, one precedes the other. Am I, am I coming up with, with a report after something happens in my life? Or am I deciding what the report is regardless of what happens in my life? Are you seeing the difference here? See, if I attach my report to what happens to me. You know, I mean, we just had these storms, you know, come through and, and people were glued to the weather channel, uh, uh, you know, the, the channel itself. But, you know, I downloaded the weather channel app. Now, I did not download the weather channel app to glue my face to the screen to see what was gonna, I wanna know what I'm praying against. I wanna know that my prayers are working. I wanna know that thing keeps on moving. And I remember the, the, the first day I downloaded it, the first thing that popped up, I put it on Instagram. The first thing that popped up was this drawing, looks like a first grader got a hold of it and scribbled all over it and said, Dorian may change. Uh, the, the track of Dorian might change. Yeah, you're absolutely right, it might change. <laughs> I mean, you got about 72 different scenarios here. What am I, what am I, how am I supposed to live off of that? You know, what, how are you supposed to attach anything to that? It's the first thing I saw when I downloaded, I didn't even have it on my phone. I had to go download it just to find out, you know, I, I, I use a, a, a weather app to tell me, you know, if I'm going to die today in the heat, you know, outside, or, you know, uh, that, that's about it. I don't use it to find out, you know, if it's going to rain or how bad or how much. I, you know, I don't get that in depth with it. But for those storms, I wanted to keep track. So that was the first thing I saw. But I, the, these people, what, what, what happens is, is we are allowing the circumstance to dictate the report. Faith determines what the report is and then starts to build evidence to support the report. I'll say that again. Faith determines what the report is and then begins to go and build evidence, collect evidence to support the report of what? Of what God says, not based on what I see. You know, I've found out in life that it's much easier to find an excuse than it is to find a reason. Has anyone ever found that out to be truth? It's much easier to find an excuse to not believe something that's in God's word than to find a reason to believe it. And so if I, if I limit my faith and limit my faith walk and my faith life to what I can see, to reality, to circumstance, if that's where I'm collecting my evidence, I'll always come to the wrong conclusion. 
If I allow my circumstance and my reality and the, the situations I end up to determine, to determine God's word, if it's working or not, well, guess what? If you want to find reason not to believe this, you can find it. It's out there. I teach that to our Kingdom Institute students in Bible interpretation because this is infallible. This is, this is the word of God. It is his revealed will and his revealed word to us directly to you. There is nothing wrong with this. There is not one verse in here that's flawed. There's not one verse in here that needs correction. There's not one verse in here that needs you and I to add anything or take anything away from it. This is perfect in and of itself. But you know what? There are plenty of people out there that use the word to disprove the word. And if you want to doubt in the word of God that badly, you can find it. You can present a case. You can collect evidence. You can investigate it thoroughly. And you can make a great point. But it's still gonna be truth regardless of what you say. You can't disprove the word of God. But there's plenty of people that the only reason they study this is to disprove it. And if you want to disprove the word of God that badly, you'll find enough in there to build your case. I tell you what, it's just easier to believe. It really is. It's got to be miserable to be an atheist. Because there's, there's more evidence around us in life to prove that God does exist and that God is real than, than, to, than to try to force myself to disbelieve what, what, what uh, uh, Colossians tells me that even creation is crying out and points us to the Father. That the visible points to the invisible. That's literally what the word of God says. It's all around us. And so we are talking about watching where we're going. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony, not by their circumstance, but by the stuff that they couldn't see. So are you building a report off of what you can see or are you building a report off of what you can't see? Verse three, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the what? Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So this is the thing. Even the things that you can see are a product or a result of what you can't see. This is, how, this is why it's easy, or easier, as you begin to strengthen and build your faith to recognize that I've got to be more in tune with what I cannot see. Paul said, I'm not moved by what I can see. I'm not moved by what, these things do not move me, he says. We know Colossians chapter three, just for the sake of reference, verses one through three tells us to what? Set our sights, set our minds on what? Things above, not on things below. Tells us, uh, in, uh, Paul tells us in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that uh, uh, the things that we can see are what? Temporary. The things that we cannot see are eternal. Now, if you really look that up in the Greek, what he's saying is the things that, are, that can be seen temporary, that word temporary means this, subject to change. <laughs> I love that. 
subject to change. Subject to change. I remember growing up as a kid in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we went to Texas Ranger baseball games uh, all the time. We'd go to numerous. I mean, it was just you know 15 miles up the road. We'd go to a, a professional baseball game, and we had these little pocket schedules that unfolded. This little pot, and I had them, and I and 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 I looked up all of the games where the uh, uh, the promotional games where they're giving away stuff. That's the only games we went to. My dad's favorite game to go to. My dad was. He, you know, he's one of those, I'm getting my money's worth type, you know, so we parked as far away as possible. It ain't worth paying $35 to park that close, so we're miserable by the time we get to the stadium, you know, that's, my, that's the way my dad was, and so he's like, if we're going, we're getting free stuff, and a lot of times, it was like the first 15,000 fans get a jersey or get a bat. We went on bat night one night. If I can just tell you, never go to a baseball game on bat night. Because every kid in the stadium is doing this all night long with their bats. It's the loudest, most obnoxious thing. I know, I remember we left like in the fifth inning. My dad finally had enough. Like, bat night is never happening again. But he says, one of my dad's favorite night was dollar hot dog night. Dude, and he would put down like six or seven hot dogs just because... They were $7 by themselves for one. He's like, I'm getting my money's worth. I'm getting seven of these bad boys for the price I'd pay for one. I say all that to say on the little calendar at the bottom, the, you know, all the games had a little star, a little asterisk. And at the bottom it said, asterisk, subject to change. So that means it was, and I, and I used to say, are they going to change it? Are they going to take it away? Is it not going to be a promotional night? Like we could get there and it not be dollar hot dog and they're going to say we're going to target $7 for a hot dog? And man, that would be pretty upsetting. But everything in life, everything you see is subject to change. But the word of God is eternal. That means it cannot, it's impossible for this word to change. So your sickness that's in your body now, subject to change. Financial situation, subject to change. Uh, your, your marriage status, subject to change. Whatever you have in your life that is happening right now doesn't mean it has to stay that way. And when it gets infected and affected by the word of God, which is eternal, it's subject to change. It will change. Amen. So which report are you believing? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So what, they, so what you can see was actually brought into existence by what you cannot see. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. One of the most disappointing, saddest chapters, but we can learn so much from this instance where the Israelites have come upon the very promise, the very word of God, something that uh, at one point was unseen. It was in an unseen place. It was just a word. You know, when you get the word of God, it's unseen in the sense that it's not reality. The, the, it's a promise, but you haven't seen the promise fulfilled. Promises have stages. Promises have the initial stage of when the promise is given. And then promises have a process to work out that promise. There's, uh, uh, I believe it's Hebrews tells us to uh, wait with faith. Faith and patience will see the promise of God. Faith and patience. Two of the most difficult words for mankind. Faith 
believing what you cannot see, and patience, waiting with a good attitude. (laughs) I said waiting with a good attitude, not just waiting. Okay, God, I'm waiting. Come on. No, waiting with a good attitude, a cheerful heart. Uh, with great with gratitude and 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 thankful in the process and then the promise ultimately has its fulfillment but the promise isn't even done at fulfillment now you have to maintain what you've obtained and that's the stage that a lot of us forget oh god thank you for the promise wait i have to take care of this now come on now god doesn't take care of it once it's in your hands now he's put it in your hands. You possess the land and you fight to keep it. You fight to take it and you fight to keep it. Amen. So that's the stages of promise. But here in Numbers chapter 13, they've, they, they are started the process of working out and getting to the fulfillment of the promise of God. And if we jump down here, Numbers chapter 13 and go to verse 17, at the beginning of the chapter, God spoke to them and said, uh, spoke to Moses send spies in. So he sends in 12 spies. And verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains, see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Now look, we're we're categorizing now. We're going in and we're assessing the promise. We're, we're getting a visual now. We're, we're starting to see something. Up until this point, the promise has been unseen. Up until this point, the promise has been in an unseen realm where faith, like we're taking God at his word right now. Thousands of years ago, he spoke to Father Abraham and said that I'm going, uh, you're, you're, these people, they'll eventually uh, be placed under the bondage of a native land. We know that was the Egyptian slavery they were placed in. And that whole time, 400 years plus, four centuries, they are waiting, believing God simply at a word. And they've passed that down generation generation after generation. God's word will last forever. Amen. God's word will remain. God's word can be handed down. God's the most powerful thing that you can hand your children uh, as as we're passing on this this generationally is the word of God. It's greater than any inheritance. It's greater than any finance. It's greater than property. It's the word of God that will always remain, that will always keep its value. And even though you may not see it come to pass in your lifetime, your children may be, and your children's children may be the one to access that promise. So they've been hanging on a word, unseen. We don't even know if this land really exists. We've heard Abraham talk about it. We've heard Isaac and Jacob talk about it. We've heard this been passed down, but living in bondage, you know, living in slavery, it's real it becomes more and more difficult to keep your eyes fixed on a promise when your reality is counter to that. But they maintain their faith in this promise. Man, if one day we're gonna get out of here, one day God's gonna send a deliverer, one day, one day and now that deliverer has shown up, Moses, man, we're starting to see this, the, the Red Sea parts. Oh man, this is awesome. He's literally delivered us. He's slain the Egyptians. We watched them die. We watched their bodies float to the top. We watched their chariots break apart uh, when that Red Sea crashed in on them. 
We walked across on dry land. I mean, you, you, these things are just substantiating their faith as they're moving towards the promise. This whole time going through the wilderness. And now they're right here on the verge of the promise. Now you would think up until this point, we've been believing by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith up until this point. They've been what? Walking by faith. They haven't had any visual. So you would think, you would think that if I got a visual of what I have been believing for without seeing anything, that the visual would support and build and encourage my faith. You would think that laying eyes finally on the promise that for generations after generations, thousands of years ago, this promise was given. Thousands of years, we've been exercising our faith that God's gonna fulfill this. You would think that seeing it would be the catalyst that would be like, man, this is it. We've been believing God. Now I'm seeing it. It can't get any better than this. That's what we would think. Verse 18, we see what the land is like. Just to see what it's like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether, they, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. This is the command of God now. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Notice that we're, what he's doing is he's categorizing now. And this is dangerous. Dangerous that we start to categorize the promise and we try to put it in a category where we determine, can I obtain it or not? Now God never gave them instruction to categorize the promise. He gave them instruction to believe the promise. God does not need you to put an adjective on his promise. God doesn't need your description of it. He doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need your suggestion of how do we advance and take this thing. If he says go, you go. If he says stay, you stay. If he says overthrow it, you overthrow it. If he says withhold, you withhold. You follow the word of God. Up until this point, we have seen nothing with our visual eyes, with our natural eyes. We've only been walking by faith, not by sight. This is why sight is so dangerous. We've said it before. The opposite of faith, of, the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's sight. The opposite of faith, if faith is what I cannot see, then guess what? My sight is actually the enemy of my faith. I want to help us possess the promise of God. I want to help us not just believe the promise of God, not just obtain the promise of God, but possess it. There's a difference between obtaining and possessing. Obtaining means I've taken access. Possessing means I've taken control. There's a difference. 
Just because I accessed something doesn't mean I control something. And God did not send his people to a place that would dominate them. He sent them to a place that they would dominate. They would overcome. They would overthrow. He didn't just send them on a vacation. He didn't just send them on a, 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 you know, a real estate binge. He didn't just send them on, you know, I got a piece of property over here. I want you to go check it out and tell me what you think. He wanted them to possess it, overthrow it, take it over. Why? Because there's enemies in it. It's more than just taking over land. It's about the people that were in the land. I don't want my land possessed by enemies. I don't want my land being possessed by people that are worshiping other gods. I'll be honest with you. You know, the United States of America, godly people came into this nation. And we don't have a whole lot of record that shows us that this land was inhabited by people that loved God, worshiped God, were serving and submitting to God. God will send you on missions to get things out of uh, uh, possession of people that do not have a love for him and do not want to serve him. And he will send us believers. Sometimes it's natural, like pieces of property, land, or you know, natural things, but sometimes it's spiritual. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Why? Because it's not that they don't know how to get wealth, it's that they don't know how to use the wealth. So let me get the wealth in the hands of people that know why they're wealthy, what money is for, how it advances the kingdom, and let's get it in the hands of those, let's get those to possess it that know how to serve me with it. There's a difference. Okay? So, Look at what they're doing. They're, they're going in to assess the land. It's like, you know, they, they, you know Moses is sending in 12 appraisers. <laughs> Tell me what the value is. The danger is, guys, is we will use our sight to confirm our faith. But if you ever use sight to confirm your faith, sight will destroy your faith. If you use sight to confirm your faith, see, this is confirmation that God's word is true. See, I got the doctor's report. We got the money. They gave us the loan. They, the, you know, we were, whatever. If you're waiting on something in the natural to support your faith, then it's not really faith. Faith doesn't need the natural to confirm it. Come on. Faith doesn't need your reality or your circumstance to align with it to to say, okay, see, I told you God's word's true. I told you by his stripes you were healed. No, it's still true if the doctor report comes back and says you're actually worse off than you were three months ago when you were in here. Okay, it's all right. my, my, My faith is attached to a report. See, I already determined what the report was. I wasn't waiting on your report to align with this report. 
Now, obviously, I believe in the natural that it will happen, but I'm not going in assessing the value of something. I'm not going in as a, as a property appraiser to determine if this is really God's promise to me. God's promise, regardless, look, so they, they draw a line down the middle. They've got a notepad. And, and on one side is strong. On one side is few. On one side is bad. You know, they, they've got, they've categorized. And so what happens is, okay, if it's, if it's on one side of the column, we go in and we possess the land. If it's on the other side of the column, we don't. It must not be God. Guess what? No matter what side of the column your situation lines up on, it's God. And I'm going to tell you right now, it might line up on the wrong side of the column that you think it's supposed to line up on. It's still God. It's still his word. And it's still going to require your faith to believe it. Okay, I'll believe it as long as the report comes back like this. I'll believe it as long as uh, they say it needs this. You know, and, and, and God doesn't need us to categorize his promise. But that's what they start doing. Go in, see if it's strong or weak. See if there's few or many. See if it's good or bad. See if it's well inhabited like camps or see if there's actual strongholds. See if the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests there or not. And then he says this, be of good courage and bring some fruit of the land. Now the time was the season, the season of the first ripe grapes. Man, there's so much here. So they went up, they spied out the land. Verse 21, verse 22 tells you everywhere they went. Verse 23, then they came to the valley of Eshcol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. Grapes so big that they had to carry one cluster of grapes between two of them on a pole. Sounds like a pretty good land. You take that back and you show everybody and you think the response would be, man, this has got enough resource to take care of us. But again, it's not what you see, it's how you see it. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs the place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. Let me just tell you, when you come back with a report, be careful who you give the report to. Maybe in hindsight, we should have just told Moses and Aaron. Or maybe just even Moses. But we bring the entire congregation in. Now remember, only 12 of them have actually given a visual, have actually seen. But it's amazing. Don't tell me a minority can't have a voice. Don't tell me I need a lot 
to sway a group. Because 10 people swayed an entire nation. Verse 27, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, by bringing back that cluster of grapes, they just gave a visual to confirm their report. They said, this is the fruit. We're not making this stuff up. There are clusters of grapes the size of human beings. We had to carry this thing back on two poles. They just gave them a natural visual aid of what they were saying. Because I mean, nobody's gonna believe us that this land has grapes this size unless they see it, right? I mean, forget that for the last thousand years, we've been believing that this land exists, even though we've never seen it. Now, all of a sudden, we think that our words have to be confirmed by what we saw. So if we bring back a cluster of grapes, they'll believe us when we say this is the size of the grapes. Well, the problem is now, everything you say you saw is gonna bear more weight than what God already said to do. You just set up the people now to believe in something else other than what God's word says. So let's keep going. See, sometimes you don't need even when you see good results, if you build your faith on good results, guess what? You'll build your faith on bad results. You gotta follow me now. You gotta watch where you're going. God didn't need them to bring back a cluster of grapes to say, show them, show them my word is true. His word is true no matter what. But see, now the flip side is, if I need a visual aid to confirm that a word is true, then guess what I'm going off of now? Visual aids rather than God's word that is eternally set in stone. Verse 28, nevertheless, here's the cluster of grapes. Here's how great the fruit is. You can see it with your own eyes. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Here come the categories. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, giants, there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now notice right here, they're just giving descriptions. But they've already shored up, we know what we're talking about. 
because we brought back a cluster of grapes to visually show you what this land is like. Up until this point, the only thing they were moving on, the only thing they were acting on was God's word. Now we're actually going off of substance. Now we're actually seeing something. And they brought back something that you would think is good. They brought back a good result. They brought back a good report. It flows with milk and honey. It, I mean, the fruit is, is massive. It, it, this land is, is very well able to take care of us. Lots of resources. But also, if I stick my faith or attach my ability to believe simply on what somebody can see, then if they can see good, I believe the good. But if, I, if they see bad, guess what else? I'm gonna believe the bad. In the very next verse, verse 30, it says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. <laughs> Now, it doesn't say anywhere in verse 28 or 29 that anybody else is doing any talking. The 10 spies are given their report. But verse 30 tells me that their report in just those two verses stirred up the people so badly that Caleb had to quiet the people. That's why you got to be careful who you bring your report to, good or bad. You got to keep that circle small. When you're believing God for a promise, I tell you right now, I mean, if, you, if you're believing God for a healing in your body and, and, and you have people, uh, you know, that know that you're believing God for a healing, man, I mean, you may come to them with a good report and they'll rejoice with you. But if you were to give them a bad report, guess what? They're going to bring you down in the tanks. They're, they're going to they're uh, get you all depressed, get you all sad. It'd be better that you didn't give them a report at all because they're only being moved by what they see. They're only being moved by what they hear. They're only being moved by how they feel. These people weren't even there. Twelve spies went in the land. And now we have an uproar of the congregation of the children of Israel over this report. Look at how quickly we forgot how si the, the size of the cluster of grapes. Look at how quickly we forgot the resources that this land contains. Look at how quickly we forgot that it contains, uh, it, it's flowing with milk and honey just as God said it was. Look at how quick. Why? Because I got my eyes fixed on the natural and God doesn't need anything in the natural to confirm his word. His word is true regardless. This is why it's so dangerous. You got to be careful. You got to watch where you're going. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. What's he doing? He's sticking to the word in spite of what he saw. And now he's working behind the eight ball. Now he's working to try to quiet the people and to try to move the people to stick with what God said, regardless of what you saw. And this is why you have to watch where you're going. Because if you don't watch where you're going, if you don't keep your eyes fixed on what God said, if you don't keep your eyes fixed on the promises of God, you will stumble over natural evidence to try to support his promise. 
and you'll actually destroy your faith, not build it. Good circumstance, bad circumstance. Something that you think is agreeable with the promise you're believing for or not agreeable. Regardless, I don't care if you give me a good report or a bad report. I'm sticking with what God said. I'm thankful that it looked, I mean, when that storm was coming, I mean, every now and then you'd hear a report, it's moving off into the east. Oh, yay. But the same reporter that said it was moving on to the east, the next day, the next hour, it's going to say, no, it looks like it's going to keep on going up into the Carolinas. Well, guess what? If I built my faith on what the reporter said an hour ago, I'm going to keep my faith built on what they say, regardless of what they say. But I believe in God at his word. I believe in this thing's going to keep on moving. So whether you agree with me or not, I know what the report is and I'm not moved off of that. Thank you for finally agreeing with the word of God. But whether you do or not, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if the strong, the cities are strong and fortified or if they're weak in their intents. I don't care if it's a large land or not a large land. I don't care if it's a good land or a bad land. I don't care if the fruit is in my hand or if it's on a pole. It doesn't matter. God said this land was ours. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Which report are you believing? Watch where you're going. Watch what the word says. So now Caleb is like, wait, this is getting out of hand. I see where this is going. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It doesn't matter what they're saying. It doesn't matter if, this, if it's the grapes are on two poles. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter. We are well able to overcome it because I don't consult my enemy, my enemy to determine my strength. I don't consult my enemy to determine my potential. I don't consult my enemy to determine the validity of God's word. I don't ask my enemy, hey, what do you think? You think we can take this? That's ridiculous. But that's exactly what they're doing. And it proves it out in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up. Look at the conclusion they have come to based upon the evidence that they saw in front of them. Based on their natural sight. Based on the fact that they went in to categorize God's promise rather than believe God's promise. We do that. We put, we put ultimatums. Well, if they come back and say this, then I know God, this is the promise he's given me. Now, I'm telling you right now, if you get a promise from God or you're believing God for something, the most important thing you can do is get the word on it. That is the most important thing you can do. If you need healing in your body, get healing scriptures and get them in your heart, get them in your mouth, get them in your car, get them in your mirror, get them everywhere you go, put them on a cassette tape at night, or a, a, you know, that's what we used to do growing up, cassette tape, put them on your iPod or your phone or whatever. If you need it on cassette tape, I get it to you, I don't care how you listen to it. Listen to it all night long. Wake up at three o'clock and start it back over. Put the thing on repeat. Get the word in you for the situation you're believing God for. It's the only thing that will remain. 
Watch where you're going. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, watch where you're going. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to overcome, to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. What, is, what are they using to support the report that they've come to, to support the conclusion they've come to? God's word or reality? Reality, what they saw. But God doesn't consult reality to determine the validity of his word. And they gave the children of Israel a what? Bad report. But they already had a report. They had a report before they went in. Guys, let me tell you something. There's no predicament, there's no circumstance, there's no situation you can go in that you don't already have a report on. God gave you a report of the outcome before you even got into the problem. It's done. It's settled. It's, it, the, the report is final. He's already signed off on it and said, this is my word. This is my report. Before you even end up in the predicament, I've already created a way out of it. But they what? Gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we, look at this, look at the, conclus- the conclusiveness. They, they took this report, this bad report to heart so so it, it, it even altered who they were. They even began to believe stuff about themselves that wasn't true. But we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. They even determined, came to a conclusion of how their enemy saw them. You ever done that? A lot of times the insecurities that we have, we put on other people. What we have of our own self, we think that's how people see us when that's not how they see us. And we've shown it to you before. I I didn't put it in there, but in Joshua chapter six, it says that the reason why these cities were so fortified was because they had heard about the people of Israel. They had heard about their God and they had built those walls to keep them out. So the very walls that they were afraid of were the very walls that were built to keep them out. What a change of perspective. So closing this, look at Joshua chapter one. Are y'all getting something? My gosh, you've got to, 
we, we cannot just get up on our promise. And, and even if God, look, if God gives you access to see the promise, I'm telling you right now, if you, are, if you are building, drawing categories, if you're putting it in a category, it's gonna be too strong. It's gonna be too big. It's gonna be too tall. It's gonna be too far off. You're not gonna have enough money. You're gonna be under-resourced. You're gonna feel insecure because it's God's promise, not yours. If it seems obtainable, it's probably not from God. Dream bigger. So we kill off that group. They die miserably after 40 years of wandering around in a wilderness that they were called to walk through, not die in. In Joshua chapter one, God raises up a new leader. One of the two spies that actually held to God's word and did not bend by what they saw, whether it's clusters of grapes or fortified cities, I don't care. God said, take it, we're taking it. He raises up Joshua and in verse six, this is what he says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now let me just tell you, they're talking about around a million people. Have you ever noticed this is what I was talking about with praise reports and prayer requests that God's word, there's a catch 22. It's great, it's awesome, but the greatness of it is also the thing that can cause you to be fearful of it if we allow ourselves to be moved by that. And so he's, what's his words? Be strong and of good courage. So it's great and mighty, and this is what I've given you, but you're gonna have to be strong. You're gonna have to be courageous. That means that there's opposition, there's challenge, there's pressure. They're not gonna walk up and say, hey, we've been waiting for you, here's the keys. They're gonna fight you. They're gonna come against you. But I've already given you this land and you will divide this land as inheritance to the people, which I swore to their fathers. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. That means the things that he was telling you is the stuff that I'm still telling you to do. It didn't work for them because they didn't apply it. They didn't live it out. They didn't stick to their guns. They didn't stick to what I told them to do. But the same word I gave them is the same word I'm giving you. It belongs to you. Go in and take it. Go in and overthrow it. Do not turn from it. Look at this, to the right hand or to the left. That means watch where you're going. That means there'll be opportunities to look at my right and to look at my left. There'll be opportunities to doubt my word. There'll be opportunities to question and challenge the validity of my word. But my promise is my promise. My promise is forever. And if you don't go in and take it, you'll die off. You'll raise up kids and they'll go in and take it. I will keep on going until somebody takes this land. Somebody please take the land. Somebody please believe me at my word is what he's saying. Don't turn to the right or to the left so that you may prosper wherever you go. 
This is what he says in verse eight, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Why? Because you have to watch where you're going. You have to keep your eyes fixed on what I said because something will try to come against you to question what I said. And whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's agreeable or whether it's not agreeable, whether they align with what I'm saying or they don't align with what I'm saying, doesn't matter. Meditate in my word day and night. That's why I'm saying when you're believing God for something, get the word on it and stay fixed in it. Don't come off of this. Be immovable. Set your mind. Set means to be fixed, immovable, grounded. I cannot be moved. The Bible says the double-minded man is, is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. Instability will not cause you to prosper. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. That means there's opportunity for fear. Do not be dismayed. That means there's opportunity for discouragement. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Guys, we have a report. It's already been determined. And I don't need to go in around my life as God's personal investigator trying to collect evidence to support his report. In fact, I may find no evidence at all that his report is true but his report is truer than anything I see because everything I see is subject to change. Everything I see ultimately will have to bow down and align with the word of God. And what he's looking for is people that will remain, that will keep their faith fixed on a promise regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, regardless of if they treat me right, regardless of if the money comes in, regardless of what the doctor says. I don't care what the world can throw at you. It's never greater than God's word. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.